Welcome to the second episode of the JRPG Book Club, presented by Forgot My Dice. I'm your intrepid and, and awesome host, Robert, and with me as always is Gina, my wife. Say hi, Gina. Hi, Gina. I hope you guys enjoyed our last episode. Uh, we've gotten a little bit of feedback. It's nice to hear. We got a lot of feedback, actually. I mean, I mean, compared to the, the other cast, like we, we uh, it appears we tapped into nostalgia. A lot of people played that first Dragon Warrior. I'm finding out a lot of people, a lot of people. Except me. <laughs> <laughs> so I keep hoping I have a friend who takes a, a, a trip to Japan every so often. And uh, I know they have a lot of Dragon Quest merch and I'm like, I'm kind of keeping an eye on them. Like, you want to Japan? Maybe I should get some Dragon Quest merch. We'll smuggle a little Dragon Quest merchandise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get us like a plushy metal slime for the children's. That'd be cool. <laughs> Although, is a can a metal slime be plushy or just gray? I think it's just gray. Yeah. Although they have like the shiny ones. I've seen those on the mm. internet. So yeah, yeah, good times, good times. <laughs> Since this is our second episode, I, I thought we we have kind of segments. I don't know what we'll call this segment. Like, get your knowledge on. I don't. I have no I, idea. I don't know. Uh, I guess we can start out with uh, how big is Dragon Quest in Japan? Dragon Quest is huge in Japan. Huge. I was a really high voice. <laughs> um, so there, there's a lot of cool stuff that comes out about Dragon Quest out of Japan. Uh, there's an urban myth that there is a law on the books in Japan that says Dragon Quest games can only come out on Saturdays because uh, too many people take the day off work to go stand in line and too many kids get caught being truant from their school to go get a copy of the game first thing in the morning instead of, you know, being responsible young adults and going to school like they should. <laughs> Um, that's an urban myth. Uh, Yuji Hori, the uh, creator of the Dragon Quest games, uh, around the time 3 came out, he noticed that there were a lot of people in line on Tuesdays in the morning, and uh, something to the tune of like 300 kids got arrested or, or ticketed or whatever for truancy. I guess in, at that time in Japan, like Nintendo kind of had say on when games came out, because most of them came out on Thursdays, and he petitioned uh, Nintendo at that time if the next game could come out on a Saturday so he could avoid that because he kind of felt bad. and all, all those Asian mothers just, you know. Yeah, yeah. The wrath of them. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there was no law. It was a self-inflicted, you know, they were like, you know, why don't we do something before somebody gets mad? <laughs> Speaking of Yuji Hori, uh, I watched an interview with him and the guy who interviewed him actually had to sign legal documents to say he would not reveal where Yuji's office was somewhere. Um, they named the city, but it was when was when was this an interview? It was an interview about eleven, so it was recent. Oh, and it's because he's afraid his office will get mobbed if he lets people know so where it is. Is Yuji Hori a downright celebrity in Japan? Kind of, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just they're big, they're big. Okay, and, th- and this is my favorite. This is my favorite. This is my favorite. There was a air quotes pop up restaurant that opened up to celebrate the release of Dragon Quest Nine. Nine, and when Dragon Quest Eleven came out last year in Japan, it was still open, and they made these cute little like pastries and sushis and stuff with little slimes on them. It was really adorable. Aww. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to show you that video. It was pretty cute. It was pretty Aww. cute. But yeah, I want to uh, eat there now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basically, Dragon Quest Eleven uh, sold two million copies on its first day and three million copies within its first three months, and that was in Japan alone. And mind you, that's a country that has 127 million people. So if you sort of like double that, which is roughly what the United States is at, give or take, that would be like a game here selling seven million copies in North America alone in the first three months, which is huge. I mean, there, and there's games 
games that do it. Don't get me wrong. There are games that do that easily, but it, it's still, it's still big. And like uh, the last big RPG that came out here that I really participated in was Skyrim and Skyrim sold 3.4 million copies on its first day worldwide. At least that's what Wikipedia tells me. So yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a big game. It's a big game in Japan. So, and the reason we bring this up and we'll get into this next time is I have a theory and I will, I will support it with, with handpicked facts and anecdotes. So basically nothing (laughs) that, um, the dragon quest games, the reason you should play them, the reason you should pay attention to them is basically that the people who make games in Japan play them because it's, it's a big thing in Japan. And so a lot of games and concepts that dragon quest kind of touched on, a lot of people have sort of iterated on that. And we've gotten a lot of other types of games just out of them trying stuff out in dragon quest games but we'll get into that next month for our uh, third episode okay so you're basically saying we need to know about the history of dragon quest because it is kind of basically telling you the story of jrpgs in general yeah well and and that's the thing the people who make those games they all play dragon quest because it's so big in japan like if you like jrpgs or rpgs in general a lot of because you know it's all cyclical now like uh, zelda breath in the wild is the way it is because they like skyrim they thought skyrim was a cool game like Mm -hmm. they they mentioned that so it's all cyclical but like yeah there's enough game designers in japan that play dragon quest and if you like jrpgs they have definitely played dragon quest they plant a lot of seeds because the dragon quest games are supposed to be very simple but they kind of bear fruit later kind of down the line and do i know all these people say that they dragon quest was their inspiration no but there's just a lot of things where dragon quest did something and then a game iterated on that concept and made it much better frankly but they iterated on it later so okay Okay. and and i will i will cherry pick some some examples next time to support my theory and and they will be based on nothing and if you seek to refute me if you want to do that kind of research i have no such i i haven't played any of these games then i will be unrefuted Yeah, there you go. The, the opposite of peer-reviewed. <laughs> oh. So, uh, so for this week, we played... What did we play? Dragon Quest Two: Luminaries of the Legendary Line. Which was originally released in Japan on January 26, 1987, roughly seven months after the first one. And oh boy, does it show. But we'll get to that in a minute. The original subtitle to the game in Japan roughly translates into Dragon Quest II, Pantheon of Evil Spirits. And it was released out here in the States as Dragon Warrior II in 1990. So the game came out seven months after the original, and in the NES version, it definitely showed. They had to delete items out of the game due to lack of memory, so you'd open up a chest and it, it, random ones would just be empty. Because, yeah, they just never replaced that item with anything. It wasn't like there was another item they slotted in there. So if you played the original game and you opened up an empty chest, that's because the item that was in that chest got deleted and they never replaced it. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, they didn't really test anything in the game after the moon fragment tower, which meant that the end game was just stupidly hard. Yeah, it's infamously hard, infamously hard, because... Um, um, especially in that plateau of Renderac. Uh, yeah, none of that got tested. So, yeah, they, it's and also the level cap was significantly lower. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just it's notoriously hard, notoriously mm-hmm. hard. And because of that, uh, the time between uh, subsequent sequels to Dragon War, uh, Dragon Quest have since been progressively longer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Dragon Quest three, which we will play next, but 
that's a spoiler for the end of the show, I guess. Uh, that came out 11 months, or sorry, 13 months after this game came out. So it was a year. And three months before Dragon Warrior 3 came out, the first Final Fantasy game came out. And since then, there have been 15 main Final Fantasy games, and we are about to get Dragon Quest Eleven in September. So yeah, they've been definitely slowing down the development cycle, although there have been a lot of spinoffs to both games. So I, I don't know how much that counts or not. So I, I have to wonder if the development cycle is the same for a game that was written uh, released way back when versus a game that's released now, given the technological changes. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting. We'll, we'll talk about this next time, but 3 has a lot more polish than 2. It kind of shows from what I remember of it. Mm. And yeah, I mean, you don't think that five months would make that much of a difference for an 8-bit NES game, but it it, it totally did. Mm. It totally shows. So yeah, I, I just think they were, I think if this game had a little bit more lead in time, they probably could have kind of ironed out a few of those kinks. But yeah, they just, yeah. they're on a breakneck development cycle. I was reading on the Wikipedia page that the lead programmer had never worked with other programmers before and he actually had a programming team and he managed it incredibly poorly by his own admissions so it just led to problems (laughs) so i think this is the part of the uh part where we move into the story in a nutshell this one has actually a story that is an actual story yeah it's not knight in shining armor go save princess and kill bad guy yeah 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 so um it was kind of nice is there is a an intro a prologue i'm not sure exactly what you call it Where, uh, you know, you have the scene of the castle Moonbrook being destroyed. But, I mean, actually... We'll get into that. We'll get into that. So the prologue starts with, way back when, there was a hero that came and defeated the Dragon Lord, and peace came over the land. And he came and took the Princess Gwalyn and carried her off. Because, anyways... They didn't have horses, remember? He just just literally carried her off. Yeah. That that, that was my thought. Like, just... Yeah, it's like... You know, that's kind of cute for carrying over a threshold, but, like, carrying over that long distance in the castle. I have this vision of them walking to a beach and him just, like, slowly walking in the water with her. And then, like, you know, you see a serene beach somewhere else. And then he just slowly walks out of the water and they're like covered in like octopuses and seaweed or something, you know, because there weren't boats back then. Apparently, yeah, <laughs> that's a new that's new technology in this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's <laughs> common method of travel for princesses, I guess. <laughs> Anyways, they have three children and each of their children um, take over the kingdom. No, they found they found oh, they found they found three kingdoms yeah. uh, of Middenhall, Kennock and Moonbrook. And collectively, they're known as the Kingdoms of Torland. Torland? Torland? I don't know. Uh, A hundred years later, Moonbrook Castle is attacked and destroyed by the evil priest Hargon as part of his plan to summon the god of destruction Malroth to destroy the world. The hero in this game is the Prince of Middenhall, who sets off on a quest uh, given to him by his father, the king, who apparently is too old, uh, to stop the, the priest Hargon. And along the way, he recruits his cousins, the Prince of Canock and the Princess of Middenhall. And, dude, in this game, your dad, he pimps you out. Where in the last one, I think you get like a stick and some <laughs> yeah. like clothes because you came to the king naked. In this one, he hands you a copper sword. It's sweet. It is pretty sweet. And he also, you know, has conversations with you beyond just, hi, son. Uh, <laughs> no, he says, hi, or- hello, fruit of my loins. <laughs> it's the best. Anyway, anyway, anyway. But, you know, and then how much XP you get to the next level. Um, (laughs) Eventually, uh, the trio have to collect the five crests to form the Charm of Rubis, which lets you see through illusions. And you also have to find the false idol of Malroth and gain access to the the Plateau of Renderok to fight Hargon. 
and there you go and that's it and then once you do that you go back to the king spoiler alert and the game ends i mean it's happily ever after there is no happily ever we'll get to that (laughs) all right the characters the main characters in this one it's pretty obvious oh and you get to name your characters i know that's so awesome so uh you go first well uh i named my characters well actually i named them for something weird and then once i realized i can name my characters and have a theme around it i deleted it and went back and started over and i named my characters miles barry and eowyn after our kids. Aww, you're a better parent than me. I was trying to figure out what I should name my first um, prince because they, they say he's a prince. And I was just thinking to myself that the Prince of England, Prince Harry, was just Harry's a funny name. So I named him Prince Harry. And then when I found out I could name the other two characters, I had to name them Ron and Hermione. So I had the, the Harry Potter trio as my, my <laughs> characters. So we're going to try to reference them as the princes of the countries or the castles they're from. So we're going to talk about Middenhall and Cam and Moonbrook. However, if we slip up and say like Harry or Barry or whatever, I, I apologize. We'll yeah, try to cl- correct it, but yeah. That's, that's what we mean if you if we happen to slip up. Middenhall is Harry or Miles. Mm-hmm. Cannock is Barry or Ron. And Moonbrook is Hermione or Eowyn. And reference this again if we slip up. We're going to try not to. So I apologize in advance if it happens. The Prince of Middenhall, what's he like? He's the fruit of his father's loins. <laughs> That's the best line. Who creates their kid like that? Ah, son, fruit of my loins. I dare you to do that to the boys when they're older. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> they're gonna hate us. I know. So the uh, the prince is a warrior. Uh, in this game, it's one of the, I think it's the only game in the series where the the main the lead character, the guy's at the front of the party or defaults to the front, doesn't have any magic. He he's just he's just warrior dude. So, but well, he's the one who gets to put on all the, the cool Erdrick stuff that you gather again. Well, the previous one was, I mean, he was essentially a warrior. He just happened to cast But he could cast spell. heals. Well, I know. And, you know, I know he but, could cast other spells too, but for the most part, I was just... In subsequent games, the main, the, the main character is more like that first guy, not like the second guy. Oh, okay. So, oh, so like a paladin. Yes. Yeah. That's mm. Now you know why I like paladins so much. Mm. Who's the, uh, the second prince? The prince of Canuck. He's a... Armamentalist. Which is the most awesome name ever. Because <laughs> it's armament or armament. Yeah, yeah. And mentalist. Portmando do yeah. together. You know that it makes him? What? We talked about this last time. Sword mage. Yes. Yes. Is he not a cleric? No, he's a sword mate. He's an armamentalist. That is totally a sword mage. Also, he gets sizzle. How, how much of a cleric are you when you just you cast one of the, the best uh, the best damaging spells in the game? Not kaboom, but sizzle's pretty good. It, yeah, I guess. Um, so he casts heals, but he, he never gets the best one. He never gets a uh, full heal. He just gets uh, the, the weak one and the middle one, but not the best one, which is weird. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, but he does get the res, so he is kind of he is kind of priest like. He also has the the buffing spell. That's true. Which is funny because it's the princess that has the debuffing spell. Yeah, yeah. Like, wh- why? I guess you can cast him on the same turn. I don't know. I, I'm glad. <laughs> true, true, true. Uh, so there's a lot of fun references when people talk about him when he's not there. Uh, he, he's got a big old mop of curly red hair. So like, uh, so my naming of him was was spot on. <laughs> and uh, they tend to call him Ditsy or immature a lot that comes up a fair amount yeah yeah and especially after you get him in the party and they go back to canock and then the people start bad mouthing the prince and they go oh your highness i didn't realize you're there <laughs> yeah that was kind of fun that happens a lot in that game where if you come back with people that you talked to before there'll be further dialogue which i thought was cute yeah 
And last but not least, we have the Princess of Moonbrook. She is just a mage in in the game. Um, she has the best heal, which is full heal, which is for a sweet, sweet, what, eight, six? I forget how many magic points. Seven? Eight. Eight? I don't remember. It heals you up to max. So if you have one hit point, you just get bamfed right up to the max it's hit very point. Very handy. Very handy. She's described as fair, which um, I found wasn't interesting description it's a very common way of describing a princess as beautiful is to describe her as fair but you know it's a little bit of a loaded term now i think yeah yeah this is what i liked i don't know if you went back and talked there's a few people who survived moonbrook that you can find in the game i think there's like two if you have the princess in your party and you go track those guys down uh you know they feel really bad about running like they 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 don't like it and if the princess is there she like forgives them she says you know you did there were crazy monsters like like i'm not upset about what happened (laughs) and and i like that i like that she she, the way they depict her is kind i don't know i dug that that you know i mean it, it could you know it's like because that castle gets trashed. I mean, it just gets yeah, wrecked. True. And, uh, yeah. And she did watch her father just get, is it killed in front of her? I think he got sizzled or kaboomed in front of her. Like, yeah. it just burned. Yeah. Oh, it was it was those gremlins. Yeah, it was sizzle. Yeah. He got sizzled to death in front of her. It's a death by a thousand burns. Yeah. And last but not least, we have the big bad, Hargon, uh, the evil cultist who lives on the plateau of Renderak. And he wants to summon Malroth, god of destruction. Um, and, and this is, this part was amusing to me and I just thought it was funny. So he lives on this cursed plateau, right? And in like Lovecraftian horror stuff, there is the plateau of Lang where spiders and evil cultists come from and like, you know, Cthulhu stuff. So, you know, insanity and destruction. And I'm like, is there, is there a parallel here of Lang and, and Renderak or I don't know, but uh, I guess this is what I'm saying people, uh, in your D and D games uh, or anything, just throw in the plateau of Lang or whatever, because <laughs> it's, it's a good, it's a good trope. Giant plateau where evil comes from. Good trope. Use it. <laughs> okay. All righty. That's a freebie. That's a freebie. That's right. Okay. So we haven't said it yet. Spoilers abound. Uh, JRPG book club. We've assumed you played it. This is your only warning. We didn't give you a warning earlier because I just remembered now. But <laughs> here we go. Yeah. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes or something. Spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so here we go. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna dive. We're going to dive into this story. Uh, I think we both really like the the start of this game. Yeah, I mean, especially since the previous game had almost nothing. Well, it had the king talking, but that was easy to kind of b- blow past when you're like, what's those treasure chests over yeah. there? I want to go open them. Shut up, old man. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention, I guess that's where they mentioned you're the descendant of Erdrich, and I, was, I didn't even pay attention. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, bar- I barely remember that myself. No, this one had a cool, like, black title screen with pleasant music, and, and it kind of told the story. And is that 100 years has passed since the, your hero and Princess Gwalyn got married, rode off in the sunset? Yeah, something? yeah, yeah. So it, it was nice. And actually, that was kind of cool because when they were t- uh, talking about the hero and Princess Gwalyn and defeating the Dragon Lord, I was thinking, hey, I was there for that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, they're talking about me. <laughs> Are you, are you saying you take because you, you said you were playing with dolls in the last game? Are you taking well, ownership of that character now? It's like I I remember I was there. It's you know I was there when it happened. You were there when okay. You know I knew the guy when. Not, not <laughs> you're, you're a total hipster about about yeah about the hero of the last game. Yeah, I knew him before he was cool. Pretty much, I was there when he learned to you know hit slimes. <laughs> I was there when he was just poking slimes with sticks, man, with a bamboo stick. <laughs> 
Um, what I what I really liked about the beginning was the dialogue was unintentionally awesome because it was really melodramatic, real, real melodramatic, and it was so over overdone that it kind of fell into so bad it was awesome. And and it, it set the stage really well because it the game literally starts with once upon a time. And then you get into this melodramatic dialogue and it just sets the tone of like, this game is not that serious. They're just trying to go for rule of cool here. Just, you know, it's, it's like a Basil exposition, you know, just don't worry about it and enjoy the ride. (laughs) I mean, it does help convey the gravity of the situation when you have, you know, the, the King of Moonbrook going, hi daughter, save yourself or save thyself. (laughs) So good. So good. So one of my favorite bits about this game is uh, one of the first things you do when you get your boat in this game is you're supposed to go talk to the uh, the grandson or the great-grandson of the original Dragon Lord, the original big bad of the first game. He's around. He's at the bottom of the castle. It's the same damn layout. And no less, you find Erdrich's sword down there. He Somehow he got his mitts on it again. Mm. And... Uh, I don't know. Uh, personally, that was that was my best. That was my favorite part of the game. It was like ev- it was like everybody from the first game got like a, a reappearance in their children, you know. And it was it in their descendants. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of. And what I was thinking was, so the Dragon Lord had family, like had a kid, a son at least. Yeah, Who raised him, and then he himself had you know more kids. Well, he okay. So there were dragons down there, and he could turn into a dragon. So maybe he was trying to get the human princess, but he had his his dragon wife on the side. Because he had two sides, you see. <laughs> he was like polydragonous. I, I don't. I don't know. So, but like nobody thought that. Hey, the dragon lord is evil. We should go kill his kid, kids before they go and you know. Well, the castle's all wrecked up top. Who wants to climb down like into the sub 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 basement? You know, it's just you're just asking for. It's like that. Um, that rule of the villain, like, you know, if I ever raise a village, I am not going to, you know, leave a an or- a kid there alive just to send a message or some crap or another, because inevitably that kid's going to grow up to seek revenge on you. You know, you should kill everybody. Like, maybe it, this is a little too evil, but it, considering how much the Dragon Lord was, you know, trying to destroy the world. No, no, no. He was trying to take over that archipelago for the monsters and leave it in darkness. Oh, well, and, that, and that's the point. That's the point. That's why he helps you out because he's like, I'm evil. I've got designs on this little archipelago up in the corner of the map that I'm going to take over and rule under my iron fist. But that dude wants to destroy the world. I'm going to like totally help you out because that, that guy over there is nuts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess he helps you out with the whole sort of Erdrick thing. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. And why does he have it? I don't know. Uh, well, I, so I, I've, I've got a theory. I've got a theory on all this. Hargon was playing a Xanathos gambit this whole time. Okay. <laughs> so major spoiler alert. I apologize. Okay. So the beginning of the game, he goes and he destroys the castle of Moonbrick. However, he does not kill the princess at all. He turns her into a dog and sends her somewhere, right? Yeah, he leaves her behind in a village. Why did he do that? That doesn't make any sense. And and here's the thing. My only thought is that was the goal. His goal was to destroy the castle and kill everyone and turn the princess into a dog so she could come get him later. Okay? <laughs> and here's my thought, too. So there's two empty treasure chests in there. 
the dragon lord the reason he knew about hargon was he probably intercepted something and that's where he got his hands on the sword because i'm assuming those two chests were the sword and the armor which you find later in the game and the armor is in hargon's lair right or near hargon's lair yeah so i'm thinking yeah the dragon lord either waylaid people who were moving the sword around and were and was trying to collect that stuff for you because he's like dude dude hargon's nuts i'm not i'm dragon lord i'm just like lex luther here i just want property <laughs> <laughs> that dude's like thanos or something he wants to destroy everything so yeah i think that's i think that's you know what what that's my okay so but here's the xanathos gambit here's the xanathos gambit he's trying to resurrect or he's trying to bring malroth into the world right how does he actually manage to do that at the end how does he manage to summon malroth by sacrificing himself by sacrificing himself but here's the thing if that's all that was required he could have just had a lackey stab him i mean he had he had atlas he had this big giant brute that could have like squashed him into a bug no he had to come and have somebody kill him because it's a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice if your your bros kill you. He had to like arrange this entire complicated chain of events <laughs> so that the three descendants of Erdrich, who have like holy blood or something, would come and kill him so he could summon Malroth. That was his plan. That was his plan the whole time. He wanted that to occur. And, and Malroth could only be summoned if he was if if the descendants of Erdrich slew of yes that's why he went and messed with them that's why he went and destroyed the castle but he didn't kill the princess because he needed the descendants of Erdrick to come get him <laughs> i mean you know that's you know what that makes sense because up until then they like the the descendants of Erdrick, starting with the actual children's of uh, children of the hero could have gone and finished off the dragon lord and you know and taking care of all that but they they didn't so hargon knew that the the people wouldn't attack unless they were attacked first they're kind of weak like that yeah yeah well and in the manual apparently hargon had been doing that off and on but this was the first time he like took out a castle mm. so i'm just saying i'm thinking that was xanathos gambit i think he needed a descendant of Erdric to come kill him i think that was part of his his plan to summon malroth and it succeeded because hargon is not the last boss of the game it's malroth he, he does successfully yeah. summon malroth and then you have to kill a god which means i guess you're gods now rad no 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 i mean you know you don't become you, a god by killing a god but if you, if you can kill a god aren't you nigh a god i'm just saying i'm just saying Midnall's is yeah that's why the king lets you have the throne he's like i'm i'm, oh, yeah. I'm just I, I don't really believe that but i believe i believe hargon i in in my head canon hargon totally had the xanathos gambit he was he wa- he was orchestrating the events that led you to come kill him to summon his god that was his end game all righty and 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 it, it makes sense from a certain point of view yeah yeah <laughs> i mean I'll, I'll give you that i mean maybe you're you know, pulling something out of your ass, or maybe it was an actual plan. Who knows? You know what? It's not, I couldn't find anybody saying that. So I'm just going to go with that's the truth people. (laughs) 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 So what do you think of the ending? Speaking of the ending. Well, I really like the, the ending because first of all, there, there was one. There, what are you talking about? There was a Cyprian princess in the last one. Well, true. And you and you walked off into the ocean and with her and walked across the bottom of the ocean over to like uh, by the Silver Key dungeon because I'm assuming that's where they pop out. Yeah, it was kind of 
funny because um, you were you were saying like, hey, you can go take a victory tour before you head back to the castle of Midden Hall uh, to go talk to your father. I'm like, okay, so I'll I just I'll just zoom to one town, um, maybe deposit all my money in the bank and see how much money I've got because I had like fifty thousand gold from going through the whole last stage, anyways. But every time I talk to anybody, they just said, oh yay, Hargon's defeated. And I'm like, hey, bank lady, can I access my account? It's like she's no, like, no, 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 we're celebrating. Yeah. You don't want me counting your money. I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so after a bunch of that, I'm like, oh, all right, fine. I'll just go back to um, Hall. And, you know, it was cool. Everybody was not in their rooms. Yeah, they were up in the throne room. And like, oh, hey, party, party up in the throne room. And it was pretty cool. And, you know, and, and then you, you talk and the king gives a speech and he tells the Prince of Canuck and the Princess of Moonbrook to come and gives a speech to them. It was pretty cool. It was like a big old ceremony, kind of like Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking that. And then, yeah, at the end, there's the fireworks with the... Oh, and then you turn around, and the music starts, and you're like, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The... the, 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 the what, what's that? The, the beginning part. The, the, the theme? Not, it's not just the theme. It's like the opening, like, bam. It, it's yeah. got a name. I forget. The opening, whatever. But yeah, the... Dun, 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 dun. You have the horns. You're like, yeah. And, and then, you know, as you're listening to the whole thing, it's a pretty long song, and you're just, just, just fireworks going along. And you're like, how, is this, how long does this go on? Yeah, you're like, how long is this? I'm like, it's going to play the whole song. It's three minutes. Just just enjoy the fireworks. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, once I got realized that, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the fireworks. It was pretty cool. I mean, for, um, is that 8-bit or 16-bit? Yeah, that was the, it was a port of um, the Super Nintendo version that we played. So, so it was 16, yeah. Okay. Yeah, for 16-bit graphics, the fireworks are actually pretty cool. I, I like the effects. <laughs> and then it ended with, and the story about this adventure was then told through the generations to come. I'm like, that's awesome. I think the my only critique on the ending was it opened with Once Upon a Time and it did not end with and they live happily ever after because mm-hmm. that would have like cleared the fairy tale threshold it would have like carried the through line and I think that's the only misstep this <laughs> ending had I I want I was waiting for it I wanted it and it didn't happen I'm like oh why and maybe maybe the blame lies like with the translation team maybe maybe yeah because they started the front part at like the beginning and by the end they're like I just write something down man I'm done. <laughs> a good game to work on i'm sure (laughs) (laughs) all right so that's all we have about the storyline so let's talk about the gameplay of this one so before we get into our our critiques and our nitpicks and whatnot okay so the first game was just you fighting one monster this game has now moved on to you have a party of three and you're fighting up to i think you get attacked by like seven or eight slimes at a time but usually it was like a grouping of somewhere between one and four was the typical thing with with the occasional exceptions how was that it was definitely different and more of a challenge. And I, I will say the first game was a very good uh, primer, primer into this because fighting one-on-one fighting, that's pretty straightforward. And um, if I had started off with party-on-party fighting, I think I would have been a little bit overwhelmed. But this time around, it definitely helped. Um, and it helped because, you know, you start off as the Prince of Hall, so you're just one person fighting. And usually you're encountering one monster, maybe two. Yeah, they do kind of ease you into yeah. the whole group thing. Yeah, so that definitely helped. Because I noticed um, the group suddenly magically got harder once I hit a certain level. And it was it didn't change when I got the prince. So I think they had some sort of programming where if you're below a certain threshold, which is probably either getting the prince and or a certain level, they would attack you with less stuff. 
Yeah. And so it was a good way of easing the, into it. Um, and I like the complexity um, because it is a challenge to figure out, okay, you know, it's not just like before where I just kind of hit and hit and hit and, and heal myself if I get too low. Because you can only attack one group at a time. So if you had like, you know, one gargoyle and two whatever murlusk or something you know you had to choose which group are you gonna what are you gonna attack and with the party you were able to do a, a bit of strategizing um like since agility uh, affected when you would go it was your initiative modifier yeah. essentially because it is slightly random yeah that's perfect because in, in my in my game the princess of moonbrook had the highest agility in the party mm-hmm. but yeah. she would not necessarily always go first because Kanak was not terribly far behind her and so occasionally he would go f- and occasionally Miles would like roll a 20 I guess or I'm sorry uh, occasionally Middenhall would roll a 20 I guess because um, yeah it was actually weird because every once in a while it'd be Middenhall Kanak and then Moonbrook and like and it would just throw me because because especially when she was casting Kaboom and if she went last sometimes I Kaboom like one guy and it's like I, that's my big spell <laughs> Yeah. In fact, that's kind of one of the things I wish I could have that I could have controlled, um, because especially once uh, I got the Falcon Sword on both the the guys, both the princes. Falcon Sword's pretty sweet. Yeah. The, I didn't know how good the Falcon Sword. was. I may have to pick up the Falcon Sword in the other games. I I did not know the awesome of the Falcon Sword. <laughs> yeah, the Falcon Sword hits twice, and that means that you the your character will either hit one target twice or if he strikes target once and he dies then he'll strike a new target with the other stroke and, and its attack power is significantly lower than all of the other weapons of that point in the game but again you're attacking twice so collectively you do slightly more damage i would say yeah and uh it has it has the benefit of rng twice so it's if you miss you're probably not going to miss with your second swing and you have two chances to critical which most criticals will wreck anything anyway and it's especially annoying when you're the like there's two enemies in front of you and if one of them is down to like i don't know two hit points you don't want to throw waste your big swing on that one guy yep. and then have no more swings to have a full strength guy um in fact that's the thing that i i kind of wish that i could have controlled i don't know if they if there was programming capabilities for this but i wish i could have controlled you know what attack was where because especially um when i was doing the combination of kaboom from the princess sometimes that wouldn't kill everybody and but that would leave them just enough hit points they're like that one one hit should kill them but if she didn't go first yeah then it and then then kanak would like target one guy hit him once and then hit the guy again and kill him and then the princess would kaboom and then not kill everybody and it was like i wish i could tell him to like okay hit each of these two guys once even if they're both alive because the princess is going to kaboom because when we play D, inevitably that comes along where you're talking amongst each other and you go okay let's roll initiative okay we have this so why don't you do this because i'm gonna do this now I don't know if if that's something that we just do. If that's something that everybody no, no, does. everybody does it. Okay. This this game's not about that though. I I, yeah. I don't think that'll. I've played up through five, and that is always a thing. It's just it's the vagaries of this combat. It's you sort of attack groupings. You don't necessarily attack individuals, and you can't target 
sub-target things. The Final Fantasy games do it. So it's one of the things that people do to distinguish themselves, but this is one of those things that Dragon Warrior does because. It's Mm. just, it's always been this way. Which is my nice way of saying, Gina, (laughs) get used to it. I'm pretty sure it's this way in 11, which is coming out in a couple months. Uh, Oh, well. I mean, I'm glad it's that way, mainly because the combat is pretty simple. Like, we don't really have to worry about having to strategize to that extent i I, i'm glad about that uh because if i had to do that where i had to strategize every stroke it probably would drive me crazy and make me too afraid to play but you know know what i'm really curious about if we keep doing this podcast long enough are we going to get you to the point where i can con you into playing final fantasy tactics oh god which is the most holy crud game i've ever played Uh, like the combat is so deep uh, yeah it's like i don't really need to use i don't I, it's it's, yeah. it's not that time it's not that time yeah let's get through I mean, more let's I get mean, through more dragon quest games we'll, we'll figure okay. this out okay i mean but it, i mean that that's the kind of game that requires like an excel spreadsheets and pivot tables to figure out no, how to no, play, no, right? no 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 it's not that bad unless you have a calculator but anyway anyway <laughs> all right so there is a bug in this game which sucks and that is you you uh like the flame sword in the last game if you use the flame sword it cast i think it was sis uh in this game there's several items like that there's the wizard staff there's the thunder staff which is the princess's best weapon mm-hmm. um and basically if you use and it it's co- like a thunder sword or something there's a th- i don't know what it does i never actually yeah. used it because this bug was there and i'm like why am i even going to use this when i can just use my falcon blade yeah but when you use an those magical items you basically get to cast spells for free right and there's like a memory leak or something in the game so like the first time you i remember the first time i showed it to you because i didn't realize how i'd fixed it inadvertently but when you do it the first time it's like so and so brandishes the staff of blah and then it says something like you know thunderbolts rain down from the sky or it says some sort of effect and then you see the lawn spell effect and then everybody down the line gets hit the problem is every person that gets hit it successively gets slower (laughs) for every part of it and it includes the first text so it got to a point where i was playing it while i was uh doing my duty if you catch my meaning (laughs) and it took my entire time to use that one staff because i hadn't i hadn't uh if you uh reboot the game it'll it'll work fine for a little while it like clears the cash or something yeah but it was like i used the thing and it was like hermione brandishes the staff of thunder (laughs) (laughs) and you see the little effect and then it's a longer pause and the first guy takes damage and it's a longer pause than that and it yeah it just it, it took seven minutes for that effect to go through so yeah if you close it and just it'll reset it but it got to the point i just didn't even use those items after i'm like i can't i can't yeah there's there's a part of you that's thinking like i think if i use the thunder staff i can do more damage than having her just attack and i'll just have her attack (laughs) so uh so how is the map in this version Uh, the well okay i'm really glad that the dungeons don't have the the torture the glow requirement yes oh my gosh that was annoying yes it was so i'm glad about that the map is so much bigger it's a little overwhelming at first it's about four times the size give or take yeah and especially i don't know if if that map was redesigned for the port or anything but no it's similar i I remember everything's pretty much where it was like i really wish i could just zoom in even but what I would really, really like it if if each of the towns that you visit can get labeled after you visit them, uh, and the dungeons too, 
And if there was even just like a little symbol next to them that says, hey, there's an inn here, there's a bank here, there's a priest, there's a king, whatever. No, that doesn't happen. Uh-huh. Uh, it's like the first one. Uh, they, they label basically there's points of interest, which are purple, and then towns, which are red. However, in future installments, at least from what I remember of five, like every town has a bank, every town has an inn, every town has everything. The only thing that every town doesn't have is a casino, which you have not seen a casino yet, but there are casinos. I the, the tumble tickets? Yeah, yeah, that's the beginnings of the casino. But mm. yeah, they have casinos in the game. And uh, typically there's two casinos in the game. There's an early game casino and a late game casino. Sometimes there's only one. And basically it's whatever prizes you get it in the later one are just better. Well, what I really would have liked is just be able to navigate that map instead of just have it be this thing that just shows you like where you are and then everything's like a pixel. Uh, especially if I can zoom in and because the map wasn't quite clear on like how there's mountains and then there's um, like lands that like I, I could, I'm yeah, not sure it went, it went, yeah, yeah, it yeah. wouldn't show bridges. I, I don't know if future maps get better. I'd have to go look at five again. Um, I do know that in starting with the next game, if you haven't visited a place, it will be grayed out on the map. Um, mm-hmm. It's not quite as cool as like WoW or some or like Diablo, um, where you know it, it, it's very sectional. But if you are looking at the map and you're like, "What the hell am I supposed to do?" Which is a staple of the Dragon <laughs> yeah. series. There was a lot of that in this game. It will at least you'll have like a gray area. It's like, oh, I haven't been here. Yeah, maybe I should help. go poke around over there. That would definitely help. So yeah. there, there is that. There is that. <clears throat> there was that one time when um, I had to go back to like a town to do something, and I couldn't remember the name of the town, so I just started zooming into random places until I found it. Yeah, I, the future games, from what I remember too, are a little bit better about the zoom spell actually being in, in the order of which you find things. Hmm. Um. It, it just seemed to me like, you know, I, I could kind of remember it's like, oh, this is the second to last town I visited. I would just go hit that in Zoom and it would be the correct one. Because this this one seemed a little obtuse. Like it, sometimes things would slot in in weird places. And maybe that's yeah. how you're like supposed to find them. I don't know. I don't know. And yeah, and, and I don't know, just a description of the maybe the description of the town would help. Like. Like Sluice being the town with the water kind of helped because of the name Sluice, but the other yeah ones? they got, they got a little bit clever in their naming in this one, but yeah I no I, I I as of five that's still a problem. But like I said, at least you know it's like oh I'm at the end game I will go to the last town on the list because that's in the end game area. Yeah, that didn't quite help because when I was trying to buy the second Falcon Sword, I'm like where was that again? <laughs> yeah, you bamfed around all over the place. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Also, if I can, that, that little thing that tells you where you are, that thing is kind of big. And yeah, I know. It covers up like half of the map. Sometimes you're like, is there, am I going towards it? Darn it. <laughs> yeah. So how about those dungeons in this one? Speaking of the dungeons, you don't need, you don't need glow anymore. But I, I noticed the dungeons were real weird. I remember in other games, there's usually like one dungeon or tower, which is just a pain in the neck for whatever reason. And because they make you go up, they make you go down. But it's kind of like that dungeon's the hard dungeon. But it was like, every, especially yeah. towers in this game, yeah. especially towers, because the, the thing they love to do in the towers is it's like you have to t- find a path that goes up to the top or almost the top. Because the lighthouse, if you go to the top of the lighthouse, that's not where you need to go. You mm-hmm. need to go to the second to last top floor is like the fourth floor of the tower of the lighthouse and then work your way back down to the first floor which is where the thing you want actually is and they yeah. did that in like every tower it was like you have to climb to the top you know and, and then funny? climb to the bottom 
Yeah, especially when you in the first floor or something, you walked around and you saw what you needed to get because it was yeah, because they handedly like in this game it just wasn't like in future games usually all that crap's in a chest, but in this one it's like oh I'm here for this cloth thing, the windbreaker. It's like there's a cloth thing right there. Yeah, <laughs> or, or like the cl- the chest is um, surrounded by uh, fancy tile. Yeah, and you're like that's where I need to go. How do I get there? <laughs> if I could just like punch through walls, I can just get there in a hurry. <laughs> but no, I have to find a way to oh go up and then come down there i will say this future games aren't as aren't necessarily better in that regard but the the encounter rate gets reduced in future games a little bit and it makes it a lot easier like i was telling you there was this tower uh in five where i was trying to recruit a specific monster and i went all the way up to the seventh floor of the tower before i got attacked yeah and so it 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 is better in that regard like it's kind of annoying when you have to grind because you have to walk around a lot more (laughs) when you want to grind but it's better in that if you're just kind of trying to get from point a to point b like these stupid monsters won't be just (laughs) jumping out at you every fifth step which oh so that's the thing that infuriated me more than anything you know because like you'd be kind of like tooling along it's like oh i think i see a stair and i got attacked yeah okay well i got about half oh i got attacked Hey, I almost made it to the stair. Oh, I got attacked. <laughs> or more like, I made a wrong turn. Let me go back. Oh, I got attacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, you were really annoyed when you fell out of that one tower. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, well, mainly because there were two ways to fall off that tower, to the t- north or to the west. And I was thinking, what's the difference? I'll just go west. And no, that was the wrong way. Oh, yeah, that was when you're supposed to cross that thing of water when you're, like, hang gliding with the yeah. windbreaker. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and I'm guessing that's you know what you were supposed to do. The the point of the game is you make a lot of mistakes, trial and error, until you figure out what you're supposed to do. Well, they had to they had to make you grind. The remixes were a lot better about you know giving you more XP. But in the first one, oh man, did you have to grind? <laughs> oh, did you have to grind? I, I I remember that. I remember that so so well. Um, just grinding and yeah, thank thank goodness for these remixes because these remixes are much more friendly for like basically like phone gaming you know like it you know in lieu of playing your animal crossings or whatever i mean it's just one of those things like if you need to grind or if you just need to do something you know you don't feel like you're doing nothing (laughs) you know it felt a little less grindy actually because because you got attacked so often and you're going from to so many different places just going from point a to point b you're gonna get attacked plenty of times that's true and they were pretty good especially in the early levels of like when you get to, it's not Moonbrook, it's that town near Moonbrook, which is like Moon... Moonahan? Moonahan, yeah. And like from Moonahan, it's like, well, first you have to go to the ruins of Castle Moonbrook, and then you got to come back. And then you got to go find the Mirror of Ra, and then you got to come back yeah. to unlock the princess. And then you take the princess from there, and you can go back to Moonbrook Castle, actually, and talk to all the ghosts, which is kind of fun. But also, you then you have to go to the Tower of the Windbreaker. And all of that's kind of home-based out of Moonbrook, so you send, end up walking around that area quite a bit. Yeah. Well, and so it's kind of like inadvertent grinding, I guess, because you get attacked you know, every five steps. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and speaking of RNG being the suck, uh, so by the end of the game, I had five of these prayer rings, which are these rings you use them and they give you MP back, and eventually they break. And you had like two, or you know, you broke both of yours. You had, well, not yeah, I had two total. And I when I first got the by the way, ring, I broke two. By the way, I still had five. I was finding them in chests all over the place. I was attacking monsters, what? and these giants were just handing them out like candy. Oh jeez! So really? like, oh, you killed me here. I have a ah, prayer ring. Ah, 
that's lame. All I got was like a bunch of cursed items, stupid herbal healing things, and chimera wings. Yeah. And the only good thing was that one liquid metal slime who gave me a second madcap. Well, the madcap's pretty sweet, it so I, I, I think you made out okay. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I did not know you could get ma- more madcaps. I, I kind of wish I, I had found another one. So madcaps in the game they reduce the cost of any spell you cast by two to a minimum of one, which is a big deal, yeah. especially because Kaboom eats up eight of your magic points, and at the time you get Kaboom, you have like eighty, so you can only cast that spell you know ten times before you have to go rest in an inn. So it, yeah. it and and just healing and stuff like yeah, like getting. Getting that discount is is a is a big discount. Yeah, it meant that the, your your small heal is only one um, magic point. Yeah, instead of three, and, which, and mid mid heal was three, which is still pretty dang good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in addition to gameplay, uh, let's talk about some of the other stuff that we thought about the game that you know, that we noticed. Yeah, um, like for one thing, I noticed that when you make the flowing dress, which is is that the best uh armor or is that the, the i think mink the mink thing? thing might be better but i never really looked at it yeah. after i got it because the shimmering dress has um other side abilities that are yeah. good yeah so, so the shimmering dress is a pretty dang good armor that you have to get the special material make and it's funny because when you make it they suggest that the princess wears it because it's so beautiful and i was thinking wait why is it gotta be the princess why can't Kanak wear it well here's the thing he can. In the remix, they open that item up to everybody in the party. So yeah, you could be you could be the frontline warrior rocking your your flowing dress. Oh, that'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, but in the original NES version, it was only open to the princess. No one else could wear it. And and that comes back. That's a thing. There is sexist armor in in the Dragon Quest games. Uh, I don't know when that goes away. I know it does eventually. But as of five, they still had them. Um, starting in the next game, you'll see it. Uh, there's basically there's extra items in the game that only women can wear. Um, there's uh, which is pretty much why especially your spellcasters should always be women because um like things like the flowing dress which are typically the best caster gear in the game or among the best it can only be worn by them do they have any kind of gear that can only be worn by male characters no oh no dang. yeah yeah the sexist items are are because like there's leather armor right and and men can wear leather armor and women can wear leather armor but they typically also have the leather dress which is either it's usually slightly weaker than leather armor because um it, sometimes it's open to some of the caster characters but it's still, you know, but a dude can't wear the leather dress necessarily. It has to be the ladies. So that means then if you're, cause you're a caster normally can't wear leather armor, is it? Some of them can't. I remember, I think Maya could, who's a, a castery character in mm-hmm. Dragon Quest four, but yeah, the shimmering dress, uh, that there's uh, the headband, the headband. I, I don't think men can wear it. The headband <laughs> and the tiara, there's tiaras too. The tiara is only, you, only, you know, we're in Portland. Plenty of men rock the headband. That's here. true. And the man bun. <laughs> yeah. I, maybe the men can't, I, I know there's sexist items still like yeah. I, I don't know i know it's gone away like that's not a thing anymore but it was definitely it's definitely a thing for a while so when you say it's gone away like as of which dragon quest i think at some point somebody realized leather dresses are stupid <laughs> and so they just kind of like got rid of those items oh uh, okay um I'm, I'm not sure i don't i've never seen the one where it, it's actually stopped well here's the thing it, eight doesn't do armor the way the other yeah, games okay. do yeah so it, I, I don't know when it stops i know it's definitely a thing for at least through five Okay, then my (laughs) big thought, mainly because I'm all about the min-maxing of gold and whatnot, is it's probably modern game design thinking that... uh, because the last stage, the plateau where the big bad is, you have... Totally not the plateau of Lang, got it. Yeah. (laughs) You have to go through this annoying mountain dungeon yeah 
to get there. And w- once you're there, there is no uh, place to save, essentially. Well, no, there's a place to save. There's no place to spend your money. <laughs> well, yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no town, no place to save your, spend your money. And and in the nest version, you couldn't leave. Like if you left, you had to go through the dungeon again. And I, I assume that was the case. But then you cast Zoom at the after that you beat the game, and Rendrak was up there. And I'm like, could you have come back that whole time? What? Yeah, I saw it on the list. I didn't want to say anything. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. I'm sorry. I may have given you bad information. Ah, jeez, that would have been so handy because I had so much gold and I really wanted to buy that mink. Cha- challenge mode. You beat it like the old school guys did. Challenge oh, mode. God. Challenge mode. And because uh, because it took forever to climb to figure that mountain thing out, and I. I'll admit I had to cheat a little. Um, I had Robert look up the map and tell me where to oh, go. Oh, I looked up that. Dude, the dungeons hate you in this game. <laughs> like, the dungeons hate you, and it's so annoying. Yeah, I, if I had to discover every single one of those damn holes that you fell out of. Uh, do, do you know what the, the trick was to that? I, fa- I found out they, they had an interview with the guy who was level design. So you know how in... Um, they say to like to, to solve any maze, all you got to do is keep turning right. Yeah. Even though that staircase is like directly beneath you, like five steps away. Yeah, you have to turn right away from it and basically go around the whole edge. Because if you turn right the whole time, you'll eventually get to that staircase. What? Every time you're getting the opportunity to turn left or right, if you turn right the whole way, it'll it'll you'll get there. It'll just take you a long time. Yeah, you're gonna like run into so many baddies. I know. I know. Oh god. I know. Yeah. No, I just looked up a map and dodged <laughs> the holes. Yeah. And I, I wasn't even that good at that. Cause I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah I, I, I missed, I, I, I like, I had this like noble intention. I'm like, I'm not going to look up a playthrough for this version. I'm not, I'm going to suffer through it the way the nest people did. And I, it was, it was after that first, it was after the lighthouse when I felt so proud of myself. I got all the way to the top and I'm like, yeah, there's people up here and there's a treasure chest. This is awesome. And it was like, no, that's, this is not what you were supposed to be doing this whole time. You were not supposed to come up to this treasure chest. You know what I didn't realize, you know how, um, in the mountain level, when you fall to the one of the pits for the first time and you go into that big giant area and then you fall to another pit to get to the thunder sword or the thunder staff one of those the thunder sword yeah yeah um i didn't realize that there was a staircase there so when i fell through a pit again i fell to the pit i thought the only way to out of there was to fall through that pit again <laughs> so and i had to climb all the way back up and it was so freaking annoying i didn't realize that oh there was a staircase there that just went right back up <laughs> yeah oh god I don't know. To kind of finish this off. Uh, yeah, I really wish there was a way, like, if there was a, I mean, it, sure, the priest was there, so you could save and get all your hit points and magic points back. Yeah, you, you totally could have left. They must have added that in the remix. Yeah. Because the walkthrough I was reading was for the Ness. Yeah, yeah. Because then I had all, because then my inventory was full because of all the cursed items I kept on picking up. You could just drop them. They're cursed but items. they're worth, like, a thousand gold each. You don't need anything more. I was gonna. I wanted to buy the mink thing. Well, now you can because we know. Yeah. I ain't playing that game again. <laughs> I'm moving on to the next one. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, to, f- to finish the segment off, uh, a lot of reviewers, a lot of people say that Dragon Quest II is the redheaded stepchild of the series because the first three games are, are tied together. This one isn't as bad as I remember. The fact that you know the Princess of Moonbrook doesn't level cap at thirty-five probably helps. You know what? You know what she level capped at? It was level thirty-five, but you had to get one million experience points oh to get her to level thirty-five. Oh and I God. ended the game with something to the tune of like two or three hundred thousand, I think. So I was just like, oh, I got her to level cap. That wasn't hard. And then I like looked at my XP. I'm like, oh, mother of God. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. And what was the level cap of the other the princes? It was uh, it was fifty. 
it was 50, I think it was 50, 40 or 50, 45, 35 in the original game. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, the quality of life stuff that they brought in from later parts of the series helped quite a bit. And you know, the fact that the end game was so hard in the original that they just like added more levels in just so you could co- sort of like, they fixed it by like, ah, just give them more numbers. It'll be fine. Um, well, it did help. It did know. help. Yes, it did. At the, the end of the game, I wasn't like, I, I I've read things where people are just like, Oh my God, this game sucks. Like, Oh, the last <laughs> part's so hard. And I was just like, what? Nah, whatever. Especially once you get North of like level 40, it's like here, have like seven strength and stuff like here's all the numbers and it's like yeah, yeah. yeah even the princess was getting enough strength that her her regular attacks melee attacks were hitting for a decent amount i know right it's yeah. like yeah you go girl <laughs> yeah. so but yes yes i i think i think by the end of this game what we took away from it is dragon quest 2 hates you <laughs> It hates you. But you still love it. You'd still love it, but man, it just hates you. (laughs) Like, that was the refrain, because you'd be sitting there, it's like, why is this dungeon, why did I fall off this tower like that? Because the game hates you. (laughs) Or you had to warn me, like, don't go sleep in that inn, or you're going to get cursed. Yeah, yeah, because there's a plot point where Hargon just curses one of your party members, and all you got to do is get an item that you can just get. It's not even that hard, but the fact is, you can only carry one of them, and then you have to go get it again because there's no real easy way to zoom there. And it's like, it's it, it's not that it's hard. It's just like the game's like, hey, what's up? Go waste 15 minutes of your life. And it's like, oh, why do you hate me, game? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I won't speak for you, but uh, yes, the game was fun. I, I had a good time playing it. By the end of it, I was so ready to murder this game's dungeons. And um, I... I I've, I've been reading ahead for for the next game in the line, and you know people have said that they've toned down the dungeoning a little bit, and I'm like, because th- I I know in four it's not nearly as bad. It, like yeah. the puzzles are more, maybe it's because the, just the RNGs less, but like the puzzles in the game aren't nearly as annoying because you're just not getting attacked all the time, so you have like time to like actually think about stuff. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the mojo is, but they definitely hit it with four at the very least, and people were saying three kind of got it. So either the dungeoning is easier or the RNGs better, so you're just not getting attacked all the time, so you can actually like think mm. instead of just like what's that the, oh i got attacked <laughs> but yeah i i, I will say I, the, that game hates you it just it just hates you and it's I charming fun it's charming and i had fun but it hates me gina <laughs> what are your final thoughts funness of the game i i found it fun i found it um challenging enough that more than, beyond the simplicity of the first one the first one was a good intro it's like basically an extended prologue of this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I definitely found it fun. Um, the, it's a little overwhelming knowing what to do because, you know, so much of it is figuring out where to go next and it, <laughs> the game Especially, doesn't help you with that. No, the game hates you. It's like, here's a boat. Like, the game's very linear and then you get that boat and then it's just like, here you go. Yeah. I hate you. Go figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, go true. figure it out on your own because you know you do have to talk to the dragon lord. Like that—that's what you're supposed to do next. And maybe it would make sense if the dragon lord's castle was easy to get to. But where it dumps you out, you actually have to like go around and go yeah. south. Which I don't know why, but I always want to go north whenever I get a boat. I'm like, yeah, let's go north. <laughs> but no, you go south. And uh, yeah, I, I don't even know. I I, I never even got a quite good sense of where everything was. If I'm well, yeah, because random people tell you where things are. Random, yeah. random people, and random people tell you what to do, and you just sort of have to like parse it out 
Yeah. You know, it's like, cause you get told the dragon Lord tells you to go get the five charms, but where those five charms are, are just random people on the map will mention it. It's like, Oh, this guy has it. And it's like yeah. the King of Tentagel has it. Oh, we didn't even get to that. Like the King of the original country. He like hid because Hargon freaked him out so much. He just like, he's like, screw this. I'm going to go move in above the blacksmith. Yeah. I'm just going to yeah. be like, I'm going to go sur- couch surf. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you ask him who, who he is, I guess he goes, who am I? I'm just some, I, I'm a retired blacksmith in king's robes what yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> here's here's your charm go away <laughs> or here's your, your crest or whatever it was but yeah yeah you know actually um yeah getting the story of that's what's supposed to happen i didn't quite get it at first maybe i wasn't reading carefully or i don't know i mean well I, you know no you know who tells you that some random person in another yeah. town they mention it and and that's the thing like the 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 game really makes you work towards and it's like just go get a guide it's not worth your time yeah you know i'm also wondering if the way i played it is because you know i can't just sit down and play all day so i would just play it in little chunks like you know every day or every other or like one time i I went like a full like five days without playing and so when you pick it back up you're like what was i doing yeah like i said you almost have to like write it down on an excel sheet it's like oh rando in this town told me this was here yeah but i can't go there yet yeah yeah i I mean that's kind of i I, i'm guessing if you were you know a 12 year old playing all day saturday or all weekend you could retain a lot more of this and be more yeah immersed and understand all this but if you're playing it in fits and bursts it's a little bit harder to keep your mind future games in the series don't make you work that hard for it so I, i i will i will give it that but even then even then still fun yeah, it's still very fun, um, especially for a JRPG noob like I am. Cool. All right, so I think we're gonna we're gonna close up the uh, the book of uh, Dragon Quest Two. We're gonna take the bookmarks out, <laughs> save it for next time, save it for the next volume that we're gonna go through. Kind of pat down those dog-eared pages, put it back up on the shelf. Look at the spine. <laughs> go like, yeah, that was good. That was good. Yeah. It earned those uh, those creases in the spine because this is obviously a paperback. Like with the like a bodice ripper in the front. Like a, is it a bodice ripper? No, no, not really. No, like I, a, I think a it'd be Fabio in the front cover with I, his long hair. Well, you've seen the original art for the the NES version. Yeah, yeah that's kind of it's not for Zed-ish, but it's it's stereotypical fantasy. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's good times. It's good times. So, uh, Gina, what <laughs> game are we playing next time? Dragon Quest Three. <gasps> What's the um, subtitle? Do you know the subtitle? No. You don't know the subtitle? Oh, who the heck knows the subtitle? I do. <laughs> <laughs> Dragon Quest Three: The Seeds of Salvation. Okay. okay. Are they doing the alliterations on purpose? I had not noticed that. <laughs> but darn it all! The chapters <laughs> of the Chosen, the Hand of the Heavenly. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> The next game, from what I remember, is long. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna break it up into two parts. I think, um, yeah. depending on how far fast we get to the 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 I'm second part. I'm playing much slower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we'll, we'll let you know. You'll, you'll hear it basically next time. So if you if you beat the game before we do, like good on you. But we're gonna we're gonna talk up to a certain point, and then in future installments when we we have to break it up like this. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna play the game up to a certain point, and you know there's like an act break, yeah. and then when we pick it up again, we'll talk about the act break. You know the 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 event or whatever, and and you and kind of talk about the story from that point on so anyway i i don't want to spoil it for you it, it's it's 
three ties into the original game very strangely, but it'll, it'll be fun. It'll be fun when it happens. So yeah, if you guys want to play along, play along. Um, and it's ten dollars. Uh, we're gonna play the the iOS version. So Android iOS version is ten bucks. Uh, if you can get your hands on a NES version, more power to you. I, I <laughs> yeah yeah good good luck. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it was on the various Game Boys and stuff, and maybe I think it's on the Wii store, like the original Wii. So if you bust out your Wii and download the 30th anniversary version of it. Yeah. Um, whatever you want to do. And if you have any questions or thoughts, you can go to the Forgot My Dice fans group in Facebook and pose a question. Yeah, I'll, I'll fire up a new thread for, for people who want to talk about Dragon Quest uh, Dragon Quest 3 uh, pretty soon, actually. Yeah, and if you guys have any thoughts about Dragon Quest 1 or 2, feel free to post them there, too. Um, I, I guess we could just discuss it if it needs discussing. Yeah, if anything comes up. Most of the things that people discussed were like, I played this game. I sent away for the painted map. <laughs> Whereas I'm just experiencing it brand new as a 30... How old am I? I'm 39. I'm 39? Yeah. (laughs) Right. As a 39-year-old woman (laughs) in in 2018. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I'm experiencing it. So there you go. Yep. So, yeah, this is... uh, this was the JRPG Book Club. Um, Signing off. Sign- say say good night, Robert. Good night, Robert. The music you heard in this podcast was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you. 